Sound of Hockey's favorite coach was back doing things that he normally does. Face, get it out of my face. I don't mean to bust your thing, but my gosh. John, the, uh, the news on Boone Jenner, how, how will that impact? You know, I don't know why you get the information. I'm not talking about injuries. Talk about the game. No, but how will it impact your lineup tonight? You, you know changes. how it will impact it. He's an important guy. I'm not sure what the, what the lineup's going to be. I've got one center playing. One. The need to get those guys going. We'll I've got one them. center playing. One. The you can hear it in your voice, the level of frustration with these I've got players. one center playing. Who's your goaltender tonight? Bob. John, how do you see the challenge of Winnipeg, obviously, down the middle then with everything that you are dealing with coming into this first matchup against them tonight? Dealing with what? Meaning? Just the overall group and what you see from the Jets and how your club's playing. It's a good team. Tonight. It's a good team we're playing, and uh, uh, and it was a god-awful team that I coached the other night. So. Hopefully we'll answer the proper way. So that's John Tortorella, our buddy, our pal, the coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, who has been known, as we've talked about quite a few times in this podcast, to be a little bit testy with the media and folks that have to interview him on a regular basis. <laughs> What's really funny is he starts there in that video by breaking the TSN reporter's mic, essentially, because yep. the mic is in his face. He doesn't like it, so he's going to push it out of his face. But then he breaks it. And he's like, oh, oops, didn't mean to do that. But now I'm going to be mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get it out of my face. I mean, it's zero to 60, right? Like, there's, there's nothing that they really did to set him off. He just comes in deciding that he's yep. going to be mad. To me, he's clearly not actually mad at the media. I think he's mad at his team and he's trying to get his team to react to yes. his fiery press conference. Yeah, and and that, that off, I've been yelled to at coaches by coaches, but not at. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. They're getting mad and they're yelling, but they're not really yelling at you, just yeah. to you. The, the situation, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But that worked, though, because that night, that was the morning skate before the game in Winnipeg. They went out and played really well, though they lost, but they played a really good game, lost 4-3 on a late goal. Well, you don't win. Sort of worked. Yeah, you don't win, like, moral victory points, though, in the no. NHL. Now with John Tortorella behind your bench. But after the game, he did say we played well. So oh. I think he was happy with the effort. Okay. All right. There you go. Not happy with the reporters. Yeah, I have one center. <laughs> Sound of Hockey episode 22. It's the Dino Cicerelli episode. I actually have kind of a funny Dino Cicerelli story for you. He's a Hall of Famer, by the way. Uh, Elected, I think it was in 2010, he got put in. And he had over 600 goals. So he's a very good player. Really tough, gritty guy that played. Ooh, I just said gritty. gritty. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, played most of his career for the the Minnesota North Stars. But he moved around a lot, too, in the later parts. He played for the Red Wings and uh, eventually the Panthers and a couple other teams. Lightning, I think. Anyway, here's the story for you. I'm reading this directly from an old Bleacher Report story. Uh, The most embarrassing arrests in NHL history. (laughs) Good story. Dino Cicerelli, a 600-goal scorer in the NHL, was arrested on November 25th, 1987 at his home in Minneapolis for exiting his house without any pants on, according to Sports (laughs) Illustrated. Cicerelli, who was playing for the North Stars at the time, was seen on his porch wearing only a sweater by a female neighbor who immediately called the cops. He was arrested after police observed him outside of his house nude on another occasion and charged (laughs) him with indecent exposure. So multiple arrests for Dino Cicerelli for Uh being nude outside his house. Cicerelli was sentenced to one year on probation and had to provide 50 hours of community service. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty big price to pay for, you know, for just going Donald Duck. (laughs) Yeah. So the more you know, right? right? Yeah. November, and you tell me there, November in Minnesota, mm-hmm. is that the time of the year you want to be walking around with their pants on outside? It's starting to get chilly. It is starting to get chilly in November. I mean, in frostbite's a thing, right? So oh, you, yes. think, you think August it's okay to do that? Well, probably more okay. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> it's all degrees of okay. Anyway, Dino Cicerelli, an eclectic guy, uh, but he's number 22, so I thought we'd, we'd mention him. I think he actually wore number 20 for parts of his career, but uh, anyway, we're on episode 22, so... He's wearing number And just in case anybody worries, we like to, like, you know, pay tribute to who our episode's after. We're all wearing pants. Yes. Yes. That would... <laughs> now, that would be weird. Yeah. Right? That would be very weird. As far as you know, we're wearing pants. <laughs> Trust us. Hey, it's Sunday when we're recording this. How about that, uh, that Super Bowl, oh, guys? Oh, man. Huh? Super Sunday. What yeah. a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? I uh, missed the first part of it because I was playing hockey, but mm-hmm. I can't believe... Uh, the New England Patriots. Pulled it off. Yeah. Great. Way. What, all those commercials yeah. were great. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That Budweiser thing. Yeah. yeah. That, one, With, the car, uh, that car commercial. Yeah, it had the horse. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, how stuff. about the Bud Light Game of Thrones commercial? Uh huh. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah, that was my favorite. Maybe totally. <laughs> Second. That was good. Excellent. Yeah. I think it'll be obvious. We have no idea who we're talking about. 
if you, if you haven't figured it out yet, we haven't actually been able to watch the game yet because we're recording this on Sunday morning. So that was kind of the bit there. I hope you thought it was funny. We certainly did. Yes. John's <laughs> giggling. John's giggling hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it is episode 22. We're excited to be back with you folks. It's been a kind of a shorter week. We had the Katsunika episode just a few days ago. So, but we're getting right back to it because we know that you need us and we need you. Uh, we didn't have a review though in this short period. So what's that about Sound of Hockey listeners? Huh? Yeah, that's really weird, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Should we blame it on Nick Constantica? Nah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> he was really good. Yeah, he, I thought he was really good, yeah. but that's that's my review of it, is that I thought yes. it was really good. But we need those, so get them, get them back out there for next week. You have plenty of time. You know, we're probably not going to have the next episode out for at least a week, so plenty of time to get your five-star reviews in for us. By the way, my name is Darren Brown. I am your podcast host, at Darren Fun Brown on Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? You can find me at, at Andy Ide on Twitter. And, of course the founder of NHLToSeattle.com, and the leader of the grassroots movement to bring <laughs> an NHL team to Seattle, Mr. John Barr. Hello, John. Hello. Thanks for having me in my own basement. You are very again. welcome. <laughs> yes. Bar Down Studios here in the undisclosed, area. Yep, undisclosed area of Seattle. Maybe Seattle. Maybe, Maybe somewhere in Seattle. You, know. yep, yeah. you never know. <laughs> it's like a place that doesn't really exist. It's just a figment of all yes. of our imaginations. It's a utopia of sorts. <laughs> Let's start with some local hockey talk. We had a pretty good story from Chris Daniels this past week about some of the, the things surrounding NHL Seattle. John, I know you're itching to talk about that. Well, there was, a, there was a couple things across the board. I forget exactly where the AHL talk started to begin. Uh, was it, at their all-star game, their, the, uh, the president of the league had a press conference. Okay. And somebody asked him about Seattle's AHL club. Chris Daniels had an AHL bit later. But the yep. first one was that, according to the AHL president, that the, his understanding was that the Seattle team would own their own club, so they wouldn't be you know, kind of just making coming to an agreement with, it, with another club. So that, to me, means probably new franchise, um, that it would be ready for the 2021 20, season. And those were the big talking points from the yes. AHL president. Yes. And I thought those are, are probably stuff we kind of knew already mm-hmm. or they've implied, but we've never hit, heard it yeah. so explicitly by somebody so official. And then Elliot Friedman mentions in Palm 31 Springs. in thirty one Thoughts, like just kind of off the cuff, Palm Springs would make a great Yeah, he threw spot. it out. And I think he said there's no arena there. So that's one hurdle. Yeah. And, and he, didn't, he didn't say it was like some sort of inside scoop he had. He just kind of threw that out there as a possibility of a, of a good, of a location he thought would be ideal. Well, and, and I was tracking that. So I listened to 31 Thoughts, this podcast. And sometimes they go into a little yeah. bit more detail there. And, uh, but he didn't cover it there. And then I watched Hockey Night in Canada, the, the intermission show headline, hockey headlines, uh, didn't mention it there. So no real context on where that quote came from. The one thing the AHL president did mention that it would be in the West Coast. Yes. Or, yeah. or targeting the West Coast, yeah. which we is, knew. is something we kind of knew already. And if you remember my kind of analysis over the summer, I talked about kind of it being as far north as Boise and as, well, technically as far south as Arizona. But yeah. I think it, the target is around California. I always thought Sacramento, Riverside, yeah. maybe, I mean, I think I had Long Beach as a stretch, but I think that gets a little too into the LA Kings territory, even mm-hmm. though Riverside and Palm Springs, for that matter, is really in their zone. Yeah. But that was interesting. And then... Chris Daniels had a story uh, where he talked to Tim Lewicki of OVG, uh, who was in Olympia to talk about the arena. And he dropped a couple nuggets in that interview. Uh, one that the, he mentioned there will be an announcement from NHL Seattle about the AHL location in the next thirty to sixty days, which we hadn't heard that timeline before. Yeah. So that, that's that's very interesting. And that, that's much sooner than kind of I expected yeah. because of the the kind of implied delay of the season from from starting in twenty twenty now to twenty twenty one. I thought maybe they'd wait a little bit more. So it's interesting and kind of exciting too because yeah, it's, they're building their franchise. It makes sense on some level though because you wonder if they are going to own their own team and if they are going into a city that may not have the facilities by announcing that now a couple of years to start yeah. building that facility. And so that may be why it's coming this soon. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Do you think there's any possibility that an AHL team could start before the NHL team? Somebody, I saw somebody ask us of that on Twitter or on Facebook, and the only weird thing about that is where are you going to get these players from? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess you could sign a bunch of free agents, but you wouldn't have any draft picks, which make up a big chunk of that roster. So that would be weird. Well, I don't is, know if that's ever been done, I, but it would be interesting. They, they could be kind of an, an unaffiliated team for a couple but, of years. But sometimes there is unaffiliated teams, right? Like the Chicago yeah. Wolves were unaffiliated for right. a long time. Yeah, there are. But there would be prospects. So if – if some other team wants to just find a place for their players, you have sometimes you have challenges getting your prospects into lineups because it's yeah. for whatever reason there's too many prospects or whatever. So why not put them in a team where you can get a little bit more 
playing time. And, yeah. and a number of NHL teams, even the ones that are affiliated, their roster is a mix of guys that have contracts with the NHL team and guys that sign free agent contracts with the AHL team. So locally, we saw that Scott Enzer originally signed with Bridgeport, not New York. Right. Then after his first year, he signed a contract with New York. Alexander True did the same thing in San Jose. His first contract was with the Barracuda. And then uh, last summer, he signed with the Sharks. So you see that too. The AHL teams are a mix of guys that are have contracts with the big team, but then also free agent contracts with the yeah. AHL team. Sounds like a lot of lawyerese. Yeah. Well, we do know from this, and I think this is actually a big deal, is just the fact that the the Seattle franchise is absolutely not, and they've proven it with these these statements here, they're absolutely not going to share their franchise with another uh, yeah. another NHL team, which I guess That's we kind good. of knew, but that was something that Vegas had to do for the first, at least for the first year, right? And I, yeah. Do they have but their own now? They they have, Chicago's now their own. So yeah. they just moved on to, I think, it's, San Antonio or something like that. But they had to share last year in their yep. first season. Mm-hmm. with St. Louis, and then that's why... That, Keegan Colesar, yeah. that can affect a prospect. So Keegan Colesar, the former Thunderbird, got traded to Vegas uh, on the draft day, and so they sent him to Chicago, but the, the roster was mixed with St. Louis prospects, and so he had a hard time finding playing time, so he actually got sent down to Quad City in the ECHL for mm. for a stint before coming back up. Quad City... Mallards, I want to yeah. say. I think it's Mallards. I think it's Mallards. Mallards. Yeah. Mallards the, the fighting ducks. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to note too, and it seems like really obvious that they would put the team somewhere on the West Coast or within our time zone at least. And that's something that not every NHL team has the luxury of. I, is it the Canucks that have the team on yeah. the, the East Coast? Yeah. yeah. But having to call somebody up and get them to fly across country and then deal with jet lag and all that stuff, like that's a big problem. So keeping them located in, in the same area as Seattle, at least with an easy hour to two hour flight to get here. But it, it also keeps the cohesion between the two clubs, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if there's systems that they want to institute, sometimes the coaches might want a quicker access to the actual club, the mm-hmm. AHL club, so right. that they can be in the same time zone. Hey. And they're going to be playing down Southern California a lot. So that, that I mean, the whole thing sounds pretty interesting. And, hey, and yeah. This is a goofy thing I'm about to say and probably not true, but maybe they'll just do like San Jose does and Winnipeg does, just have it be in Seattle. That's goofy, and that won't happen. Ooh, yeah, but the Bellevue Beavers, the Seattle Whatsits, the Crap Weasels. That crap weasels. Crap, what? crap weasels. You and your Whatsits, the baby Crap Weasels. Oh. Baby Crap Weasels. That sounds <laughs> yuck. So that same story with Chris Daniels. Tim Lawicki dropped another little nugget when talking about the the building's target date, and I'll read a quote here from him. Uh, he said, "Quote: We would like to open the building in plenty of time. If my brother, NHLCO CEO Todd Lawicki, wants to go after the league for the 2021 draft and have that." here we understand that's in june of 21 and we need to have that ready to go so that's something that that we haven't heard we knew that seattle was going to get a draft but the first year draft like before they even play a game hosting the draft would be pretty cool would be that would be cool i still think it's not it's a big draw for like hardcore fans which is me yeah and us (laughs) right like i love the draft yeah i like i intend to go to the vancouver draft this year Mm -hmm. but i i think it's interesting and cool but i'm not sure it's got like i know it doesn't have the same fanfare as the all-star game Right, something well, like there's no game going on. on. Yeah. Oh, really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what, though, it could, so I, I went to the one draft I've been to was in Florida. You know, we all know that the Panthers don't draw very well, but that building was pretty full. Yeah. And which is interesting because the whole time I was there, all my Uber drivers had no idea what I was talking about when I said I was here for the NHL draft. They were like, Case what? Point. Yeah. And so I think it would be enough of a novelty, especially like with the team about to start playing that that fall, that people might come just to check it out, not only to come check out the draft, but to see the building, because that might be one of the first yeah. events that yeah. will happen in the building. So why not come and spend seven hours watching seven rounds of draft? Yeah, seven hours. In a, in it's yeah. Not, it's, they split it up. The first round is yeah. one day, then the rest but you of know, the rest are another day. You know what I'm excited for, like really excited when you talk about the draft is actually draft parties, right? So even if oh, yeah. even if we don't have that first draft, just being with the night with before. fans and the and the hockey community and just being at a establishment and watching <laughs> some future crap weasels. It's okay to just say that it's going to be a drinking establishment. <laughs> yes. We're 21 now. We <laughs> yes. proved this. That's right. Oh, okay. And, and yeah. I will say that one of the best hockey moments I had was the night before the draft in Florida, hanging out at a bar in Fort Lauderdale, which was pretty cool, which was filled with NHL media. Nerds. Yeah, yeah and nerds. Uh, and this, you got to meet a lot of people that you see on TV. It was really cool. So speaking of people not knowing what's going on in a market, John... <laughs> <laughs> you asked uh, Nick Katsunika last week about what he thought the biggest challenge was for the NHL Seattle franchise. I'm curious to know what you think the biggest challenge might be. And something tells me, and it's these <laughs> show notes here to my right, <laughs> that you have some thoughts on this. Yeah, I've been you know, talking about, about it with people from time to time. And one thing I realize is 
the lack of hockey coverage here in Seattle. And it's not always just the lack of hockey coverage, but it's also the, the lack of hockey understanding by media outlets. You know, I've been at this a long time and I've seen how, I don't want to say disrespected, because that's not really the correct term. They're just not in tune. Like another word would be ignorance about hockey. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's actually a fair term to describe. And it's not their local media's fault. But there's not anybody that understands hockey. And you have these huge lulls of news and information or articles and content between these tentpole events that the NHL does, right? Like an all-star game or Bettman coming to town or the Board of Governors meeting. And there's nothing in between. You know, Baker does do, periodically does an article in the Seattle Times. I think it's still lacking a lot of knowledge about the game and what's going on right now. And And to me, we publish two or three articles a week. And I know we're only scratching the surface. We could probably do, I, I have ideas for probably eight articles a week if I had all the spare time in the world or if yeah. it was my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then King Five does a decent job, um, but they don't really have sports covering it. Shout out to Sue Ring, friend of the pod. Sue Ring, yes, <laughs> Sue Ring and Chris Daniels yep. for that matter. Not a friend of the pod yet, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get them on someday. I think that's a challenge for the club. And because there's no coverage at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no coverage about the league right now, what's happening with games and players. Yeah. It's, it's always just there's an event, Batman's here, everyone comes out for it, and, and so, then it goes away again. Yeah. So I, I think I think that's the biggest challenge, and they're going to have to start ramping and hiring people that know hockey. Mm-hmm. The, they just the outlets, the media outlets. Yeah, the media yeah. outlets, that's correct. And it's at a time when traditional media outlets – aren't really hiring. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's going to create a a serious challenge. Um, You don't necessarily need to cover the junior hockey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody's somebody's (laughs) already covering it. Andy's got it. Andy's got it. Andy's got it. And then the Everett Herald. Josh Horton called to Josh. Yeah. Who listens to the pod? Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. I haven't seen his review. Yeah. Oh, man. As long as it's five star. (laughs) Yeah. Now we're getting one star. You just (laughs) got him out directly. I think it's a challenge. I mean, what do you guys think? I agree. I, I think it's great when you go to these press conferences and you see all these people show up. That's great. Um, but I, what I would love to see is just more talk about hockey in general, you know. And you know, when I was a kid, there used to just be a real brief little like AP snippet of what happened to that night before in the NHL. It wouldn't even take much. Just, you know, last night New York played Tampa Bay and this is what happened. Just something like that. Or even like on sports radio, just at their, when they do their updates, how about just giving us some NHL scores or the news of the day? We get NBA scores. They list off NBA scores. Most of those those stations will do that, but here locally, but not the, the hockey scores. I don't know that we can expect them to break down, yeah. you know, San, San Jose's power play or something like that. I, point, I don't even but, listen to sports radio. You know why? Why? Because they don't talk about hockey? Bingo, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's not like upset, like I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying this is a this is a challenge and this is a gap. Yeah. You know, and, and I think Vegas probably had some similar challenges, but they, but Vegas, they hired people from outside. And I don't know. But Vegas also on their own website started doing some things I noticed the, the year before they started playing. Like when the draft happened, I remember them putting out an article. Here's what the draft is. Here's what, what what's going on here. Yeah. These now, players are. now, maybe we're too far out. Maybe I'm Could a be. little bit too close to the sun here and, and <laughs> but well, but there's but there's two and a half years now to start building up. We know that there's the season ticket depositors are out there, but what about all the other fans who are gonna give you T V ratings, who are gonna buy your merchandise? We talked about them once before. Why not start getting people interested in your sport now? You've well, got three years to build up a following for it. And if this podcast is any kind of test of it, you, we we hear from people that are new to hockey, trying to learn yep. hockey mm-hmm. all the time. It's already starting, mm-hmm. yet they don't know where to go. So yeah. they come to us, oh, which boy. is great. Fools. Yeah. What a bunch yeah, of fools. This and, and we're talking this, about this podcast is the biggest challenge in NHL. And, and, and we're all, stories about Dino Cicerelli. Yeah. And, and we're all going Donald Duck here yeah. on this podcast. So. <laughs> and I encourage all those out there to go Donald Duck. Right. Uh, Darren, what's your, what's your take? Here's my take. I think that <laughs> you've been watching me like ready to speak for a while now. I'm, I'm like sort of listening, but I'm like, ooh, really gathering my thoughts because this is going to be good. Everybody gather around now. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Now, I I don't know if it's that profound of a take, but my thought is that what's going to happen is that the traditional media markets are eventually going to start covering it, but it's not going to be until they have what they think is really something to cover, right? And that could be even, you know, in the very lead up to the the games actually starting. So I don't know that we're going to see any expanded coverage. I, I get your call out to the media to say, hey, we need to start covering this to ramp it up. I think that the belief is that 
interest in hockey exists in the market, but until they have actual palpable hockey to cover, they're probably not going to cover it. That's my that's what well, I but, think is but, going to happen. And, I understand your yeah. your argument that there's a need for it, and I think that there is something to cover. They could start covering the NHL. I grew up in a market where we didn't have an NHL team when I was a kid, right? Because North Stars had moved away, a new team hadn't started playing yet, but there is still go for hockey. There is still, hockey. right. There is high school hockey, which is a big deal in Minnesota, like a huge deal. Actually, so was it in covered? Was that it was covered, covered heavily. Yeah. But that's a market that had, yeah, yeah. had hockey previously yeah. and everyone plays hockey in Minnesota, you know, like, so it's a place that loves hockey already. What I think, you know, you're going to end up having media outlets where they just transition their existing sports people into covering hockey uh-huh. and they may not be hockey people. Right. But until they have NHL hockey to cover, I don't think they're going to become so, hockey people. And, and to be clear, my issue isn't necessarily with the media. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably accurate what you're saying, but there's a lot more content to cover now yeah. and they don't realize it because there's such a gap. Right. In their hockey knowledge or a prioritization around hockey. And and let's be let's be honest here. Seahawks dominate yes. the conversation here, forever. particularly in the fall. Yeah. Well, it ebbs For and flows, right? Yeah. You know, it's if they start going through losing seasons and magically people mm-hmm. aren't that interested in like them. Like the Mariners don't get much right. coverage. Well, <laughs> but the Mariners get coverage still yeah. because, well, they're the only thing going on yeah. in the summer. Sounders to some extent. But I don't think you're saying that there needs to be like this hardcore coverage all of a sudden where they're breaking down games for the night before because there isn't that. That's not really relevant. There is more things they could do to just bring attention to the sports there because right now it's like no mention yeah. of the NHL or hockey. Right. And and Baker did the story on Alexander True, which you've mm-hmm. done before. and Gambrell. A Gambrell, but – no mention of Matt Fontaine from who played for the Everett Silvertips. Same team, mm-hmm. same time frame. And then even he could have mentioned Brendan Dillon who played in Seattle. I, yep. Did he play in Kirina as well, I think? Yeah, okay. I think he did. Those guys are all relevant to Seattle and, and Thunderbirds fans certainly follow him. But it, it tells the story of hockey. I, th- I just think there's a lot more content than, than people realize. And the fact that there's nobody that gets the context or, or gets hockey – understands that, right? Well, it's interesting what Darren said about in Minnesota, they were still covering college and, and high school hockey. You know, so why not ramp up the junior coverage a little bit? Not, yeah. It doesn't have to be. But right. th- there was a day when the Seattle Times and PI had a beat writer cover the Thunderbirds. Yeah. That, those days are gone now. I mean, it's like yeah. me. <laughs> but I uh, covered the Thunderbirds well, and one guy in Everett. And, I mean, there's a lot of things I could do. One, it could get more people into hockey. You realize what hockey is. And there's future NHL players playing on those games, on those teams. I mean, mm-hmm. Dylan Cousins was here last week. That's right. Played both in Seattle and Everett. And he's yeah. going to be a top five draft pick. You know, Matt or, Barzell played here, and then the next year he was bringing Or how about here. Spokane, right? Ty Smith. Or when Portland yep. comes to town, like all, the, all the stack. Glass, yeah. yeah. The point is there's a lot of stories that you could start shepherding the hockey community and kind of start start that dialogue. But there's a gap. One thing maybe we should say is what yeah, are the listeners think? Yeah, content? like what is my take a bad take or is it – kind of natural or is it will it come would you want to hear more I mean I, I, would, I don't think you're, I don't yeah. think your take is a bad take at all I think when when I was sharing my point it's more of being devil's advocate of this is what's actually going to realistically happen it like probably, that's probably fair. yeah you know there's a lot of great hockey writers out there that didn't start as hockey writers like Elliot Friedman started in basketball, right? Mm-hmm. And our friend of the program, <laughs> Emily Kaplan, like she started in football, right? Yeah. So my point is that I think that eventually someone's going to get just transitioned that exists within these these media outlets. It's just my guess. Yeah. Right? I don't know. But, you know, and they're they're not going to be great at first. Yeah. I think they're going to be thrown into it. They're going to say, and, I'm not a hockey person, but I'm... And I'm welcoming. You know, I'm very yeah. welcoming to people that don't get the game, mm-hmm. right? And that's not like what I'm saying, like, oh, that can't work. I'm just saying it's a squandered opportunity mm-hmm. between now and... And then, yeah, right. But hey, you have us. You have NHLToSeattle.com. Right. We've got a monopoly of the <laughs> got cover. Right. of the, the hockey Seattle podcast market. <laughs> yep. Well, and we do some good work there too. I'm not like you know we're not mainstream. We know that we don't claim to be, but we, there's some there's some really good stories that come out from from Andy and we, from we, we write mainstream quality articles. Absolutely, that's right. At yeah. least you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to some current NHL talk. Somebody, speaking of mainstream media, 
man, Pierre Maguire, put himself into some hot water this past week. What happened was they had Kendall Coyne Schofield in between the benches for the Lightning and the Penguins game as, you know, we talked about her quite a bit because of her her awesome performance at the NHL Skills Competition. As part of her, I guess, reward for doing such a great job at the Skills Competition, NBC uh, Sports decided to have her as part of the broadcast as like a co-analyst with Pierre Maguire. Pierre Maguire did this at the beginning. So Tampa's going to be on your left, Pittsburgh's going to be on your right. What are you expecting out of this game? We're paying you to be an analyst, not to be a fan tonight. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to see Tampa start. They've been off for 10 days, haven't had a game. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, had a tough loss on Monday, got a little bit blown out of the water by New Jersey Devils, so I'm excited to see the start tonight. Let's have a blast. Johnny, back to you. Now, at first glance, I didn't think it was so terrible, but then you start to kind of think about it a little bit more, and it it really does have a condescending tone. She's won two gold medals, right? So, like, she doesn't need to be explained where the Penguins are sitting. And, and she's where, currently playing professional hockey. Right. It's it's not a, it's not a good look. It it created this big uproar on Twitter, and Pierre had to put out a statement apologizing and saying, "Well, I respect Kendall and this and that." And Kendall came back and said, "I didn't think anything of it at the time, but you know, this is something that we deal with all the time as women. You know, people assume we don't know what we're watching, don't know what this is, even or that though we're just fans. We right. refer to her as a fan. Like, exactly. You're not a fan tonight. Yeah, you're getting paid to do this. Here's my mm-hmm. unpopular take on this, and John, I know you're going to have a rebuttal, and Andy, you probably will as well. I actually feel really bad for." Pierre. Like, how many times have we put our own foot or feet, feet, feetses, feetses <laughs> just did in, our, in our mouths here on this podcast where you're like, oh, wait, that's not, you know, and we have the luxury of going back and editing those things out. <laughs> Is he talking about my Rick, Rick Nash? Nash? Yeah, right. No, we left that in. We left that in. But it just, it makes me think, like, if I were in his position and I don't think he meant anything by it, but like, how many times does Pierre say things that kind of make you cringe? Like, most of the time. Yeah, it's it's often, and I just, I feel bad for the guy. I don't think he meant anything by it. And there's this huge storm, and now people are like calling for him to get fired and this and that. It's just, I actually, I feel for the guy. So. Well, so I, I can understand that. But the reality is that is what women have to deal with all the time. Right. And sure, he didn't mean anything by it. It was innocent. But the reality is he said it and that's how people think. And that's what he did. And it's another indicator that women have to deal with all the time. Mm -hmm. And the gender bias we have, kind of a good old boy network, right? And it's tough to break in. And think of all those challenges on the way that women have to face to even get to that point, right? It's so much harder to get the respect along the way. Yeah. Huge bummer for me is it takes away from her moment mm-hmm. in general. Like we're talking about Pierre Maguire's comments, not how great Kendall Coyne Schofield did at the All-Star game and also between the benches because she was great. She was really good. And now she has to respond to that. Yeah. So she issued kind of a statement as well. And you mentioned it. And it's, and it's unfortunate because now that takes away from her experience as well. Yeah. Not just us talking about it, but she's got to deal with it. And people are going to start asking her about it, not Man, you were you were awesome between the benches, and we're so inspired by you. Well, and her, people her, still are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Her statement was interesting because she, in their statement, said at the time she said, "I've known Pierre for a while. At the time, I didn't think anything of it, but when I got home, I was inundated with text messages and you know Twitter mentions." And she said she went back and watched it, and she said she can see how it would come across as as being condescending, but she handled it, she handled it really well. But see, that's another thing too is that she comes out once again looking like a champion for the fortieth time in what like two weeks, right? She's had this incredible run, and even though this is kind of like a storm, she looks great here. Pierre looks stupid, unfortunately. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe fortunately, if you really don't like Pierre, I don't. I don't know. Do people like Pierre. <laughs> I don't know if people do, but she comes out looking good here. He looks really stupid, and it is what it is. And and we're talking about it at the end of the day, right? So maybe it's not such a bad thing. Well, hopefully I, that's the positive that comes out of this right. is that everybody kind of figures out that that these women hockey players are legit hockey players and yeah. don't need to be looked down on. Or why is that still something that needs to be proven? Right? Yeah, like, it shouldn't have to be. I, I'm going to brag about my sister for a second. She was a. <laughs> I'm, she's, seriously, she's a great hockey player. She's a Division One hockey player, and I've seen it firsthand too. Like we would go to this pickup game in in Minnesota in the last few years, and we'd walk into the the dressing room, and it's always like weird when a female comes into the dressing room. She's like, "Oh, I you know can't go Donald Duck anymore, right?" <laughs> but like you get this sense where like she'll walk into a, an arena and 
guys look at her like, oh, geez, there's a woman here to play hockey with us. And then we get out there and she just skates circles around because like she's so much better than anyone that's going to show up to these pickup games, you know, because she's a division one hockey player. Like, yeah. you know, and and you get back in the locker room and you, there's like this different sense after the game, you know, yeah. and you, like and these are people that I don't even really know. It's just like you, you see it firsthand where it's like women just have to overcome this thing in sports where men, regardless of how terrible they are at hockey, just assume that it, because she's a woman, it's like, oh, we need to like not hurt her out there. It's just, it's stupid. If you want more more info on this, uh, and I would recommend reading this regardless if you want more info, but <laughs> Katie Strang wrote an excellent article for The Athletic about it the, the whole week. It was outstanding. So if yeah, you have a subscription, go back and read it. It's going to age fine because <laughs> it, it's something that we're going to have to deal with for a while. And it's not, you know, you can replace the characters in the in the story. It's just going to be a different set of characters. So. How about we say this? Kendall Coyne Schofield, good for good, hockey. Good at hockey. That's right. Good, good at for hockey. hockey. Good, good for hockey. hockey. I, got, I like it. In other NHL news, there's a blockbuster trade this past week between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Florida Panthers. Penguins to Panthers. A lot of P's there. Featuring Derek Brassard and Riley Shehan going from the Penguins to the Panthers in exchange for big Nick Bugstad. Minnesotan, one, hashtag one of us. <laughs> <laughs> State of hockey. Yep. And Jared McCann going back to the Penguins. There are also some draft picks that went towards the Panthers. In my opinion, I really like Nick Bugstad, so I was like, ooh, big win for them, for the Penguins. But what do you guys think? I think it's a win for the Penguins, and I agree. Uh, but the interesting thing that I've been hearing some people who are more connected than I am to the NHL, some insiders, is that Florida, uh, this move, they, they free up some space with this move, and that they may be looking to make a run for both Panarin and Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. Either, either at the trade deadline or in the offseason. And that, that a lot of people thought that this was a, a precursor to that. So that would be interesting. You know, I haven't I don't, I haven't watched the Panthers too much, so I don't know how those those guys are playing. Um, but I Weren't know. they the team at the beginning of the year that you were like, I need to make sure we watch plenty of I, I believe that, that did happen, mm-hmm. yes. What happened, John? Uh, they don't, came on well. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you don't like you know, watching teams that aren't playing well? No, I don't do not. Oh. Uh, Broussard has been like underwhelming for – for the Penguins since they were he was traded, so I think that he's been rumored to get out of there for a while. So we'll see. Pittsburgh tends to come out on top of a lot of these things, right? Mm-hmm. They find some random person that's just going to maybe play opposite of Crosby, and all of a sudden turn yeah. them into a, a yeah, like game. Nick Bukestad isn't a random player; like no. he's a, no. he's a good player. Yeah. He doesn't no, get but much I, coverage because he's been playing in Florida, but he's a really really good player. Yeah, but maybe McCann or something like yeah. that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and this is like the time of year too when Sidney Crosby decides he's going to start playing, right? Like yeah. he yeah. he goes like seventy five percent, I think, for the first however many months of the season. And at some point, it's like, okay, time to get serious. I'm going to go and score a million goals. And he's one of the best players in the world without playing a hundred percent. And at some point, he kicks it on. And now that they've made this trade, right? Like I couldn't imagine anything other than Sidney Crosby going off. Whenever I see Nick Bukestad's story, I, I think back to when he was still in college, but he was Florida Panther property, and the Canucks had Corey Schneider and Roberto Luongo. They were looking to move Corey Schneider and. All the wor- the word was that they wanted Bukestad badly out of Florida for Schneider, but Florida refused to give him up, and so eventually they traded Corey Schneider to New Jersey. And ironically, Luongo is now in Florida, and Bukestad gets traded. So interesting. <laughs> for whatever reason, I always, I always think about that, which is not very fascinating. But <laughs> it is to me. We have a get off my lawn this week, and it's mine. Oh, I'm. <laughs> this will be an unpopular opinion as well. Get off my lawn. Team Puppies. Oh. It, it was initially pretty cute. I think it was the St. Louis Blues that were the first yep. ones to have a Team Puppy this season. But the timing of that introduction of the Team Puppy was quite ironic because they, I think they had just fired Mike Yo. They were at like an all-time <laughs> low, right? It was clearly just a distraction tactic to try to like, hey, everything is terrible right now with our franchise, but look at this cute puppy, right? <laughs> and then you started to see other teams doing it. I think I saw the Ottawa Senators do it. Another, no, another team that needs a distraction. Another team that needed a distraction, right? And it's been it's been a bunch of teams that are like, ooh, we decided to get I, a, a team puppy. And it was all these bad teams, right? And now it's been a while since all these things happened, and and I haven't seen a new puppy introduced anytime recently. But let's come up with, like, a better way to distract your fans. Like, hey, how about if you get a better team, (laughs) right? Rather than just throwing a cute puppy at them. I'm done with it. No more team puppies. Get off my lawn, team puppy. I'm a little worried about this podcast because Darren (laughs) hates puppies. John hates children, which doesn't like the the teddy bear toss. None of us are wearing (laughs) pants. <laughs> Things are getting really. I, we need a puppy to distract from all this stuff. I think the Rangers here. were the first team last season. 
Okay, and you know that Rangers had a fantastic season. Last no, year. yeah, and they introduced them like <laughs> later in the season. So your take might be the same, right? As mm-hmm. far as it's a distraction tactic, but I don't know. I'm okay with team puppies. Yeah. Like, didn't I, the Sharks I don't have know a cat what... run on the ice, and then didn't somebody adopt that cat last year or year before? Now, see, they now they won, so maybe yeah. or they were a good team. Maybe you need cats. Speaking of animals on the playing surface, did you guys? Mm-hmm. This is not something that we plan to talk about, and we're crossing sports here. But did Whoa. you guys see the bat yes. in San? Antonio. John's looking at me like he did not see it. This is probably the best video I've ever seen. Let me play the audio from it here. Pelican's coming off a loss to Denver the other night. And the bats have returned. I knew that was going to happen. That was only predictable. Rudy Gay went running down to Zach Zarba and said, help me. As the Spurs. He's ready this time. He's ready tonight. Get him. Oh. (laughs) Oh. One more attempt! Yes! Oh, the Coyote got him. Go ahead and chow down, Coyote. Oh, the Coyote! (laughs) And the crowd is jacked! (laughs) The Coyote's going crazy! So what happened there was there was a bat that was flying around on the court. Uh, Apparently it had been there before. I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but he came back and the coyote mascot from the San Antonio Spurs, which is literally just called the coyote. Good name. Had changed into a Batman suit and (laughs) for some reason and runs onto the court with a fishing net and catches the bat. That's what you, that's what you're hearing there. Oh my gosh. It's, It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's one of my favorite sports videos of all time. Maybe aside from the goose that flew into the scoreboard at the Cleveland Indians game. Uh, my favorite, <laughs> to bring it back to hockey and tie it into locally here, is uh-huh. the condor in Bakersfield. They brought a big condor out in the ice. And if you YouTube this, it makes me laugh every time, especially because the condor flew to the, the, the bench and attacked then head coach Matt Odette who is now the coach of the Seattle Thunderbirds. There you go. It's not his favorite topic. I nice local I connection. I don't think he's listening to this, but he wouldn't be happy that I bring it up because <laughs> he gets annoyed by having to talk about it. Everything comes back to the Thunderbirds for Andy, Always. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or, the or the WHL. Or the WHL. Yeah. Yeah. Circle. Anyway, get off my lawn, team puppies. Let's. <laughs> That's Darren's lawn, not my lawn. Yeah. Darren's lawn, not John or Andy's lawn. Well, uh-huh. you know what puppies do on lawns. That's right. Bag it I think up. That's probably where Get Off My Lawn comes from. Probably. Bag it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to our weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. Hockey is finally back from its stupidly long break. Ugh. Now, I think it was the first season they've done this where they connected the bye week to the all-star break for every team. And either the bye week was before the all-star break or after, but it was connected. Right. So there was this gap of at least, what was it, five plus days where there was absolutely no hockey because of, you know, the all-star game. It was really painful for me, at least. I yes. didn't like it. I didn't like the slow roll back into it either because for all last week, there wasn't any West. There were no West Coast games. Yeah. They were all East Coast games. And there were only like two or three a night. And, and, and they were kind of all the same teams, right? Yeah. Like playing and you're Northeast like, wait, teams. didn't I just watch these guys last night? <laughs> and, it's like, and I think that this is going to be something that comes up now in collective bargaining because it sounds like the NHL doesn't want the bye week. But obviously the players love to have a random week off in the middle of the season. Now, what they used to do was they'd have the all-star break and the bye week separate, right? So they'd they'd do the all-star break, then they'd play a few games or whatever, and then they'd take their bye week and they were staggered. And what that would do is it would at least stagger things. Like when your team wasn't playing, there was still plenty of hockey playing that you could watch, right? So from from a fan perspective, having like a nine-day break essentially um, for your team is kind of painful enough. But then having it for the whole NHL as it was this year – I didn't love that. So, And it was super concentrated, like you said, around the All-Star game this yeah. year. And I think the leading week, they had 10 teams that had the bye week. Mm-hmm. And then the following was like 20. That's not a lot of hockey in those kind of <laughs> no, two well. or three week period. And, and if Gary Bettman is listening, we know he's a fan of the podcast. I, w- I would like a, an amendment or something that there's always at least one West Coast 7 o'clock start. Every night. Uh, I and think that'll be... with the crap weasels coming in, it'll be easier because we'll be more... I think at least Coast, every other... Well, let's no, start every asking for every night, but then we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll fall settle back into every, every other night, night like because it. there really isn't a ton of West Coast team. I mean, proportionately, yeah. there's, well, there's... There's more now. There are, and there's going to be more. Exactly. Too. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoopsh. We've talked quite a bit about Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky potentially being trade targets. 
John argued that it was a moot point because they have, you know, no trade clauses for, I guess, for Bobrovsky. I made the argument that if either of them made it known that they weren't going to re-sign with Columbus, then the trade has to be made, even though they're they're in the running. Uh, there's a belief that this could be a team that could compete this year. You know, we mentioned last week Artemi Panarin's agent, Dan Milstein, also Pavel Datsuk's agent. <laughs> and so anyway, Milstein was again in the news this week saying that he's essentially making a statement that Panarin will no longer negotiate with the Blue Jackets prior to the end of the season. So that to me is as clear an indication as any that this guy is not going to resign with the Blue Jackets. So I say you cut bait and get what you can from Artemi Panarin. Well, and I think that's totally fair take because I, at the time, my thought was that he did have a chance to resign for mm-hmm. whatever reason I, I thought that. So I concede that one, but probably safe to say they, they get rid of him. Yeah. The thing about that and the risk is that at this point, he's essentially just a rental, right? Because if you mm-hmm. if you trade for him, unless you can somehow get some sort of indication from Dan Milstein before making the trade that, yes, we will resign. And that may be something that the team will allow to let them talk to the agent and determine if he'll resign. But there's a big risk in trading for him right now because you could theoretically trade the farm for him, get Artemi Panarin on your team, and then lose him in free agency in July. So huge risk to trade for him, but also, I mean, he's an absolute superstar. So. But I think they would get less in that situation, right? Right. So yeah. yep. that's something that they need to consider. I still hold with my take that they should hold on to both those guys and just make a run for it because... There's a franchise that's never won a playoff series, and so why not go for it right now? Treat treat Panarin as your own rental player this year, the rest of this year that you didn't have to trade anything for. And if you lose him, you lose him. But if you lose both those guys, that's $13 million in your, your salary cap you're going to have freed up uh, in the summer. And, and why not just go for it? You know, maybe a long playoff run will get those guys or Panarin feeling pretty good about playing for that team in that city. And, you know, playoffs have a funny way of affecting how people feel about things. So I say go for it. And if they walk, they walk. But that that team needs something to happen at some point. I say you're wrong. Our next (laughs) weekly one-timer. Dylan Strom, who was traded from the Arizona Coyotes to the Chicago Blackhawks, has been on a little bit of a tear. 23 points in 29 games. Now, this is a guy that was kind of like run out of town in Arizona. Yeah, I've always liked Dylan Strom. I know uh, he was about a third or fourth pick overall in the 2015 draft, which was a a stacked draft. Fourth pick. Fourth pick, thanks. That's the Connor McDavid draft. You know, and it just never worked out in in Arizona. And I know there was some question about his skating ability, but I thought last year he'd made some strides and he's still not the best. Good pun. Made some strides. (laughs) He's still a very edgy player. Turns a lot. Really on his edges. I I thought last year he really looked like he didn't necessarily improve as a skater, but he learned how to position himself better to make up for those deficiencies, but just didn't work out at the start of the year. And he was reunited in Chicago with one of his junior teammates and Alex Brinkett. And they play a lot together now, so I don't know if that's been a part of this or not, but he does have some already built-in chemistry with him. And I think he's uh, playing on the power play with Patrick Kane, which might help. Always too. helps. Yeah. By the way, Patrick Kane, thanks for bringing him up, who I hate, by the way. I hate him so much. <laughs> but my God, is he having a season again. And he's on this tear right now. He has 26 points in his last 11 games. He has had points in 11 games straight. Like, think about that. 26 points in 11 Must games. Must be playing with Dylan Strom. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be what it is. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is when we had Nick Constantine on, he mentioned Kane and how we were talking about the scoring being up and how as good of a season he's having, he's on a better pace than when he won the Art Ross, Ross a few years, but he's not leading the league in scoring this year. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, like, you, you look back at his, like, game logs here. Like, he's got four points against Buffalo, five points against Washington, four points against New Jersey, two points each against Vegas, Nashville, Calgary, three points against Pittsburgh. The, like, think about that. Like, when, when a guy has a five-point game, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, that's really incredible. But he's, like, stringing all those games together. Those are beer league numbers. Those are beer league. Like, <laughs> that's three-on-three three league. Like, holy cats, it's unbelievable. I hate that guy. By the way, not to be <laughs> not to be overlooked, the Coyotes are still somehow sort of in the running. They're only a few points out in the West. Really getting off topic here. But you know who else is still in the running? The Anaheim Ducks. How are the Anaheim Ducks still in the running? They've lost like 14 of 16 games, I think. And Gibson got lit up the other night. They, they, uh, yeah, the Jets hung nine goals on, yeah. on the... <laughs> One of the best goalies in the league. But they're still like only like one point out of the wild. That boggles They banked some. They banked a lot of points early. Man. Yeah. And they were stealing games early on. I mean, Gibson was like, all of those guys were on his shoulders, on his back. There you go. You got to think that the Ducks fall out. Interesting that the Coyotes are still kind of hanging around. And also interesting that Dylan Strom is starting to play now that he's in Chicago. Our next weekly one-timer. 
TSN's Bob McKenzie says Matt Duchesne and yeah. Mark Stone more than likely to get traded by the Ottawa Senators. Ooh. Probably, probably good for them. And maybe that'll be part of the rebuild. Remember they put out that video about the rebuild earlier in the season, the Senators did, like yeah. trying to get their fans excited about them rebuilding. Yeah, it was which, a great video. <laughs> which is really odd. Really well produced. <laughs> Man, losing to Shane is going to be a really tough, yeah, tough thing. Because to at this point, they've yeah. given up their potential number one overall pick to get him to, yep. to Colorado, yeah, along with many other assets. So, well, and with Duchesne gone, who's going to produce embarrassing Uber videos? Yeah, right. Uh, uh, there, well, was, there was three other people yeah. in the <laughs> car. Yeah. There. yeah, somebody <laughs> will take that torch. Yeah, hop in the back of the Uber. You're absolutely right. Losing Duchesne and Stone, for that matter, like Stone's been having. He's a good player. Yeah, yeah, very he good is player. Good. Almost undercover. Mm-hmm. Way. But we'll see what happens there. Always always interesting around the trade deadline, and you never know, right? But like when, when Bob McKenzie, like Elliot Friedman, when he tweets something like that, there's where there's smoke, there's fire, yeah, so yeah. to speak. So he doesn't just throw things out there without knowing that there's something in the works. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoopsh. Friend of the friend of the friend of the podcast, Carter Hart is continuing <laughs> on his impressive, impressive run in Philadelphia where the Flyers have won seven games in a row. And he's won six in a row as yes. a starter and he was named uh, Rookie of the Month. And I think he, I think he's a, what, a, a win or two short of a, fly, of a record for most wins in a row by a rookie goaltender. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, at this point, we've already like made up how many stats for him because he's young and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We were like... <laughs> uh, on Tuesdays for players under 21 yeah. in Philadelphia, he's great. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's the first goalie under 21 to put his skates on before he puts his pants on. (laughs) Really groundbreaking stuff from Carter Hart in Philadelphia. But, I mean, again, we've talked about it plenty now at this point, but, like, what he's doing there is ridiculous. It's it's almost like a It remains ridiculous. It's it's almost like a local media group should do a story on (laughs) Carter Hart. Some some media local people have done a couple stories on Carter Hart. I just decided I'm going to write one. So it's okay. Local media, stand down. It's cool. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Just because we want to be accurate. So he's won six straight, and it's uh, it's too shy of the NHL record for the longest win streak before the age 21, which was set by Jocelyn Thibault. Thibault, how do you say that? Thibault. 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 <laughs> Neither. Thibault, 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 not going to work here anymore. That's right. That's for sure. Back in uh, the, the, the wonderful season of 1994-95, which mm-hmm. – was probably a lot of trappy games then. Jo- well, Jocelyn Tebow, that was after Patrick Waugh demanded a trade out of Montreal. I remember And that. they mm-hmm. made the trade, I think it was either for Jocelyn Tebow or Jocelyn Tebow was like the replacement in Montreal. I was like eight at the time. So that's the game. That's the <laughs> so game where, that's the game where Waugh got lit up. Right. So and, he, and he had the sarcastic, like the, the, he, he had given up like six goals and he made a save and the fans there kind of gave it to him and he like raised his arms. And, mm-hmm. But then they eventually pulled him and he like stared down the coach as he was leaving the So he, he went to Mario Tremblay, who was the coach at the time, and said, I'll never play another yep. game for this team. And they traded and him to Colorado. <laughs> Colorado went on to immediately win the Stanley Cup, right? And and Jocelyn Tebow, who was one of those, he was like a young up-and-coming goalie at the time, but never never lived up to what they had in Patrick And Lutz. now Carter Hart's going to break his one record. There you go. That's but it. The, I mean, the sample size of that, goalies who played under 21, like, there's really not a lot of young goalies out there. Yeah, John, John's like, John's getting off my lawn on goalie records. Right. He, <laughs> Never well, John mind. hates goalies. We know this. John hates, hates he's that, goalies. He's made that clear. Yeah. Shout out to at HockeyMatt41, who was <laughs> ripping on John for, and Andy for that matter, for just generally hating yeah, hating sure. on goalies. So. Sure. It did generate HockeyMatt41. Yeah. It did generate some good uh, gifs, though. Yeah, by you guys. <laughs> Jerks. Our final weekly one-timer. Whoops. Longtime Blackhawk Brent Seabrook and multiple Stanley Cup winner. I think he won three, right, with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been asked by the team to waive his no trade clause. It doesn't surprise me at all. He's a guy on a huge contract that's kind of fallen out of favor there. He's he was scratched at least uh, a few times under Joel Quenville. I mean, you know that that's a team that they're still outside of the playoff bubble at this point. They've had so many salary cap issues. You know that they're trying to come up with whatever they can to to recoup some of that salary cap. And I don't know if you're a, if you're a guy that's played your entire career for a team put yourself in this situation the team comes to you and says hey would you be willing to give up your no trade clause what would you do do you want to keep playing then yeah. i'd say you say yes <laughs> yeah now it's going to be a weird situation because yeah. it's, it there's he doesn't have a lot of value right now and his salary is insane so it's going to be a salary dump kind of scenario where basically people are just taking on salary mm-hmm. uh for prospects or something like that so or draft picks it, it might depend on where you're going whether or not you want to keep playing. If you're like just going somewhere that's a drag team that just needs a salary 
Yeah, but the teams can turn forward. around pretty quick. I think, you yeah. know, if you look at this year, yeah, if you, you're going to play the rest of the year, and teams can turn it around. I mean, I don't think yeah, there's the NHL, a team. There are quick yeah. turnarounds. The I, don't, I don't think there's a team out there that's like, this team's going to stink for more than a couple of years, right? Ottawa maybe being, well, but even Well, if Ottawa, they continue to trade there. Ottawa's like players. a couple of years away from. Um, they were one goal away from the Stanley Cup final yeah. like three years ago. Andy, would you trade? Would you waive your no trade clause? I think it depends on what the situation was. And again, how much do I want to play? Am I going to a contender? But they could put you in the AHL for that matter, right? They could. Yeah. Well, no, because to get, I think to be put in the AHL, don't you have to clear waivers? Yeah. You could get but he would clear again. waivers. But he might clear waivers. Yeah, he nobody wants, nobody wants that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, places like Grand Rapids are nice this time of year. Yeah. But, I mean, nobody would want to put him in the AHL either unless they're it's literally just a salary cap thing. I don't know. Until it gets, like, the the floor, the salary yeah. floor. But I don't know. Anyway. It would be interesting if he waves no, no trade clause, they waive him, and the option is the AHL, which would be Rockford for Chicago. If you're a guy that's been around that long and, and won Stanley Cups, do you want to go play in the AHL at this point in your career? You might just say, you know what, I'm just going to write off in the you, sunset. Well, do you want to get that salary, right? That's the, yeah. that's the question. Because you still get yeah. the salary. Yeah. If you're, if yeah. you're yeah. playing, like contract, you go to the AHL, you still get your I guess AHL. it depends on how smart of an investor you've been over your career and <laughs> whether you're set financially or yeah. not. That wraps up this week's weekly one-timers. Whoosh. Let's close the show with games on the radar. John, what do you have? Well, I do want to call out last week's game on the radar yeah. was uh, the Lightning versus the Islanders, and that was insane game. 0-0 went to a, sh- <laughs> a shootout, but it was end-to-end, believe it or not, and it was an awesome game, and it was right what I needed to kind of ease me back into hockey after the All-Star break because I didn't see a lot of the earlier week's games. Yeah, 77 combined shots and zero goals. And, you know, see, this is one of those indicators, right, that like a a game with no goals or a few goals can be just as exciting as a game with 10 goals. So So, says the goalie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bring back back bigger equipment. I was just going to ask. John was just talking. We were just talking about how much John hates goalies, but he loved this game, which seemed to be goalie-centric. Right. Yeah. What happened? Uh, what happened there, John? Well, it was the Islanders mm-hmm. and Lightning. But remember, I, I said the reason why this was on the radar is it was a benchmark game for the Islanders. Yeah. And the game was at uh, the New York Live or Nassau or the Coliseum, whatever they call it now. The Coliseum, the so not Nassau, not yeah. Barclays. Off the charts, exciting as far as the crowd goes. It was incredible, and I uh, I think the Islanders like answered the bell and like they're legit. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing we worried about is starting to play some of the bigger teams and seeing how they would do against them. So trust trots. Getting back to the original question, my game on the radar this week is Leafs versus the Canadians. Classic. Yeah, classic. 4 p.m. on Saturday in Hockey Night in Canada, February 9th. That's kind of my prime zone to watch games, too. Mm-hmm. I love that 4 oh, yeah. o'clock slot. At that point, it's perfectly acceptable to be drinking, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny that statement. <laughs> it's afternoon. You're yeah. 20, we're 21 now. Yeah. Now, but it's like a little bit before dinner and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I think it's a great time to get together and watch a little hockey. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that game. Well, my game is a big, huge, what some call it topsy-turvy, some call it stacked, Pacific Division. <laughs> <laughs> the Sharks and the Flames. Sharks at the Flames. That's Thursday, February 7th, uh, a big Pacific Division. Should uh, be interesting. Yeah, and I had Dallas versus Nashville that same night, a preview of the upcoming Winter Classic. Ooh, Dallas ah, against Nashville. Yeah. Next yeah. year's Winter Classic. Yeah. It's going to be on NHL.TV as a free game, so you'll be able to tune into that even oh, if you nice. don't have NHL.TV. Uh, that's at 5 p.m. Pacific. So, By the way, it's kind of cool if they do that. I yeah. pay for the subscription, and you always see that free game in there, and there's almost every other night. I don't know how many times a week they do that. But every every night. Is it every night? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like You could watch a free game every night if you, yeah. if you were so yeah. Even if you don't have cable, it doesn't matter. Yeah, watch it on yeah. your Phone. Yep. Um, so that you don't get to watch your your one team that you're zoned yeah. in on, which I think is why most people get NHL.TV yep. is if they live out of their market. But you but can watch you hockey if every you don't night. Have a team, yeah, like if you don't if, have a team. Or if you're waiting for a team. Mm-hmm. Or if you're like a media person that's just trying to, you know. Learn the game. Learn the game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's it for episode 22. Thanks so much. Uh, please do make sure to get those five-star reviews in. Uh, Josh Horton, you've been called out. <laughs> yeah, Josh, come on. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you all next week for episode 23, the Michael Jordan episode. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Get back, you flee, infest in mongrel.